good having you family. So many things we're looking forward to this morning. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you being here, our guests in the house. Let's get up for our guests one more time. You know, thank you for being in the Lord's house this morning. Man, let's just kick back. You can take your shoes off, relax, and just enjoy yourself this morning. I'm going to turn my little doohickey on. So I got to do that. Anyway, it's so good. You know, a lot of things coming up. Uh, what's coming up Friday, fellas? Oh, that's what I thought. Uh, Friday, fellas. Come on, Friday. What's happening Friday? Think about it real hard. Just think about it real hard. Don't think about it too hard. Uh, all right? Amen. What is it, Brother Jordan? Valentine's Day, right? Everybody got a sweetheart? Uh, some of you don't need a sweetheart, okay? Some of you don't. Some of you not old enough to have a sweetheart. Oh, you have one who? Oh, she's not here? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, but you have to pray for her, all right? But anyway, man, it's going to be Valentine's Day. I hope you guys got big plans for Valentine's Day, you know, so you can whisper those sweet nothings in your wife's ears, right? Oh, it's so awesome, man. Roses and chocolates, going out to eat, and whatever, not in that order. But anyway, it'll be guts, though. I'm excited for, uh, for that. So, guys, don't let me down. I don't want to hear no bad reports next Sunday, okay? We're going to do that, all right? Hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we go into his word this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the mighty name of Jesus. We know there's no name under heaven and earth by which a person can be saved, save the name of Jesus Christ. He's the name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord. Lord, it's my prayer at this time, Lord, that, Lord, that I would get out of the way and get in the way, your way. You're the man. You're, you're the God man. You're the one that sits at the Father's right hand. You're the one that intercedes on all of our behalfs, Father. Help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, that we would uh, be sensitive to the word of God this morning, that you would touch our hearts, prick our heart, Lord, whatever you need to do, smash our hearts, whatever it is you need to do, God, that you would touch us. Lord, inside and out, Lord, and that you would redecorate us from the inside out, Lord. We just thank you for this time together. And it's my prayer, if there's anyone here that's never, ever in their past, they can think of a time where they just bowed ahead and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I can't do this anymore. That this would be the day of salvation for them. That they would actually humble themselves and say, Lord Jesus, I give up. I give it all to you this morning, Jesus, I pray. I pray, God, that you touch us this morning. And, Lord, that you'd visit every one of our hearts this morning as we have brought you in, in this place. Father, we thank you and praise you for it all. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Everybody got your notes? Everybody got your fill-in-the-blanks and all that kind of stuff? Listen, I'm going to go through a little bit of what we did like two weeks ago. Y'all remember two weeks ago? We talked about, we learned how, what, how of getting conflict under control. Has anybody been in conflict ever since that message? Nobody? Oh, then it's working for you. Okay, all right, cool. No, listen, we all have conflict. We, see, my wife has, says she has conflict because she has me. <laughs> so she has me, so she has big conflict. And I'm a big boy, so I'm a big conflict. So anyway, but we all have conflict. And since we talked about it, conflict, we must what? Expect it, right? Do we not expect it? We should expect it. We should deal with it, right? The second thing, learn to control our what? Our anger. Learn to what? Listen to the other side. That's very good for Valentine's Day, guys. Listen to the other side, right? And then here's the thing. Is, I think it's really good. Look to the Bible for help. You know, the Bible is our instructions before leaving earth, man. It's our instruction. It's, it's to help us, to guide us, and guide our life. Listen, if you don't know your Bible, if you don't know where to go in the Bible, you don't read your Bible, there's no way you can know what God's perfect will is for your life. And his first perfect will is for you to read his word and to heed his word. And we need to do that. So we need to do that. And then lastly, it said learn to compromise with others correctly. I'm not saying compromise the word. I'm saying sometimes you've got to do a little give and take, right? Uh, husbands and wives, I know that you've done that, right? So we, we need to do that from time to time. Also, last week, we learned what? You're too what? Blessed to be what? Let me hear you say it. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Amen. That's right. Why? Because number one, God what? Loves you. Set me free. And set you free. That's right. 
That's what his, his love does. It sets us free. God has a plan. Number two, right? Life will not always make sense. Does life always make sense to you? No, it doesn't. It sure doesn't. And listen, God uses difficulties to help direct me. Sometimes we go through difficult pathways to help direct our life. And so we need to think about those things. And, even, and listen, here's the one I really like, my, my favorite. It says, even the most irritating people in your life are loved by God. All right? So you don't shove them to the side. You don't kick them to the curb, right? You know, you love them. You love them. You love them because they matter. You know, they matter to God. They should matter to you. Amen? We should do that. And I want to encourage you at the bottom of your sheet there that you have, you'll see there's a little web address on there, thehillscampus.com. I want to encourage each and every one of you to go on there and sign up on that. In that website, in that website, there's, man, there's calendars, there's information, there's all kinds of stuff. These prior sermons are all on there. They're listed for you to listen at your convenience. And so we do that so that we can kind of build our community here in, in here within the body of Christ here so that you can do that. So I'm going to invite you. Plus, Brother Danny worked very hard on that, putting that together. It is very good. So today, listen, we're going to learn today how to make decisions. Do we have to make decisions today or what? Some of you already decided where you're going to eat after church, right? And if I got here early enough, you know, we could probably beat somebody to somewhere. You know, I don't know. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what God does this morning. But, hey, we all have to make decisions. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, before you leave here today, you're going to be making it. Every person is going to make some sort of decision here. You know, no decision is a decision. And so I want you to be thinking about that this morning as we go. You know, we talked about last week that I am convinced that life is what? 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are all in charge of what? Our attitudes. We are. So I want you to turn the book and the Bible to Acts chapter 17. We're going to run through Acts 17. This is really cool because we have to make decisions in our life. And we're going to see three kind of groups of people who had to make decisions. And some of them made a good decision. Some made not so good a decision. So, so and, we're going to, uh, and we're going to see that. So let's go through Acts 17. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then they traveled, and this is Paul and Silas, man. Now they're traveling again. Here they go. Remember last week, they come out of the prison. They come out of, of everything, and they were freed up. And then they found out they were Roman citizens, and then they were, the magistrates were apologizing and sending them on their way. Get them out of here. So now they're traveling again on their second missionary journey. So in verse 1, it says, Then they traveled through Amphipolis, now uh, just forgive me for the words, and Apollos. Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, uh, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went to the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the Scriptures. That's important. Explaining and showing that what? That the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Then some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a great number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of leading women. Paul stays, listen, Paul stays with going to the Jews first. He, he adapts that format, that model, and he goes to the Jews first. Where does he go to? He goes to the Jewish synagogue first. Always he goes from city to city searching out for synagogues to preach in. That's what he does. And you know why? Because it was customary for the Jews, the traveling rabbis, traveling teachers would be invited when they visited that synagogue, would get up, and they would be invited to speak um, to, uh, on behalf of the whole congregation, and they would speak the Word of God. And so that's what they would do. So, so obviously, logically, Paul would go into the Jewish synagogue and expound the Word of God. And then Paul reasoned to explain to them the Scriptures. And for three weeks here, he's in Thessalonica explaining these Scriptures, right? And Paul presented the gospel message in the middle of it. Many were persuaded to be saved, and mainly the Greeks and leading women. So let's look at what happens further. Look at verse 5. It says, but the Jews became what? Jealous. Isn't that a shame? The Jews became jealous, and they brought together some scoundrels from the marketplace. 
They formed a mob and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find Paul and Silas, of course, them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men uh, who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And Jason has received them as guests. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The Jews stirred up the crowd and the city officials uh, who heard these things. So taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. This is a shame to see this. The Thessalonian Jews became what? Jealous. They became angry. That is not the right response, really. We see that they are rejecting. This is what they're rejecting. They're rejecting Paul's teaching, but more importantly, they're rejecting the message of God. God's trying to show them the way. God's trying to teach them the way, that he's the way, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life through those Old Testament scriptures. And so, and so they're rejecting him. The Jews went, and listen, this, look, look at how devious they were. They went and hired wicked thugs to come in and do their dirty work from the marketplace. That's what they did, to persecute Paul and Silas and drive them away. Listen, Folks, listen, the devil never tires, and he never stops. He is on the job when? 24-7, 365 days, year after year after year. And what's he trying to do? He is trying to put a wrench in God's plans, in God's plans, listen, by putting daily wrenches in your plans. Listen, the devil never quits. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. He never gets tired. He never gives up. He continues and continues and continues and continues to put wrenches in your plans to be effective for the kingdom of God. I want you to be effective for the kingdom of God. I don't want you to sit back and be passive. Listen, there's people dying and they're going to go straight to hell because they don't know Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is Lord. They don't even know. That was Paul and Silas' burden as they went from house to house, city to city, synagogue to synagogue. Don't you think it broke Paul's heart and Silas' heart when people rejected the message? They, and these were Jews that knew the Old Testament Scriptures. They could look at it plainly, and they could look through Psalm 22 and Isaiah and different ones and see the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And 27 of them in one day when Jesus hung on the cross, he fulfilled. Jesus is everything. He's our Savior. He's our best friend. He's our high priest. He's everything. You don't need anybody but Jesus is who you need. And so we want Jesus. Listen, and Paul and Silas, man, I think about them, and I think it's how, man, they were burdened. I mean, they went, listen, they went to their graves because of Jesus. The message was so profound and needed to be so clear coming from them. And it's not because they were apostles. It's because they loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them. And the same goes for us. If we love Jesus and Jesus loves us, listen, we're going we're gonna to proclaim his, his birth. We're going to proclaim his death on the cross, we're going to proclaim his burial in a tomb, and we're going to proclaim his resurrection because that's hope for all the world. There's no other hope under heaven and earth but Jesus. He is the hope above all hopes, and it's our responsibility, not just mine, but it's all of our responsibilities to get his name out there and to make him famous to a lost and dying world. And believe me, there's a lot more lost out here in the world today than there probably was back then. And we got to get busy, church. We have to get busy. God loves us so much. The devil works. Listen here. Number one, I wrote down, most of the time we go into battle oblivious to the battle. We'll get up in the morning, recall, we'll wipe our eyes, we'll go take a shower, have our coffee, and a lot of times we walk out the door, and we're not even thinking that the enemy's out there trying to attack you. Because you know how I know? Because you're not going out there protected. You're not ready to go. Some of you get up, and you get up, get your coffee, get your shower. I'm late for work, and you run out the door. You haven't talked with God. You haven't read his word. You haven't done anything. And listen, and every day should be a diet of the word of God in your life. Every single day, you need to feed upon his word. If you have a hard time doing that, I would make myself not eat food until I eat the word of God first. That's how important it is. It's more important than, than natural food that you eat to I mean, come on, you wouldn't eat. You would not eat, right? We get hungry, what do we do? We eat. We go buy a Krispy Kreme donut place, and we see the hot now, and what do we do? And I'm praying that one comes into Inverness sometime in the future. I don't know, you know, because I like them. 
Uh, no, they're just good stuff, you know. And so I just want to encourage you, listen, listen, have a steady diet of the Word of God in your life. The Word of God is living. It's sharper to edge sword. It'll transform your life. It'll transform your mind. It'll transform your soul. It'll tra- listen, it'll help you in your daily living every single day. I can't imagine living a day and not have Jesus' Word in my heart, stirring my heart, stirring my mind. Especially now in these days. These days are horrible days. So most of the time we go into battle oblivious to the battle. It rages in our everyday lives. Why? Because it rages where? In the heavens. It rages in the heavens. Look at Ephesians 6, 12. For our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must what? Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to what? Resist, resist the evil day. Are we not in the evil day? Yes. Are you, are, is the soldier going to walk out there without his battle armor on? Without his weapon, without his shield, without his sword? Is he going to walk into battle without it? No way. That would be foolish. Then why are we foolish every day and we don't put on the spiritual armor of God? We need to do that. And women, if I know if you're not plugged into the what Sister Denine and them are doing on Wednesday morning at 10 and at 6.30 on Wednesday night. You need to get plugged in because they're talking about that very thing. They're talking about the armament. They're talking about the battles that we face. They're, they're preparing themselves to understand that whole armor of God thing. Right? We need to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. You're not ready to take your stand if you haven't spent time with God. You haven't put that armor on. Listen, but God's ways are what? Higher, and listen, much, much higher than our ways. Listen to this scripture. Let this scripture encourage you. Let it bless your heart. In Isaiah 55, read along with me. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. He's saying, repent. Turn away, sinner man, from your stuff and your junk. Turn to God. Let him return to the Lord so he may be, have compassion on him. You hear that? God wants to have compassion on you. He wants you to turn away from your wickedness. Turn away from your sinful desire. Turn away. Turn God. Turn God. Chase after God with all your heart, right? And to our God, for he will freely forgive. He's the only one that can forgive. No one of us can forgive like Jesus can forgive. Amen? Aren't you so glad that Jesus forgives everything? He doesn't, he doesn't, listen, he doesn't even remember it. How about that? He forgives you and he casts it into what? The depths of the sea, as far as the east is from the west. And if I get too loud, Danny, turn me down. Amen? Sometimes I can hear myself and I'm like, hmm, that's pretty loud. But amen, that's true. Sometimes we need to hear. We're hard of hearing sometimes, right? And then listen to what it says. It says, it says, listen. For my thoughts are not what? Your thoughts. And your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. That's the Lord's declaration. That's what he says. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are than your thoughts. For just as the rain and the snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty or void, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. God wants to accomplish great things in your life. He wants to move you to a level of success in your life that is amazing. But you've got to let God do that. You can't work it. You're supposed to not, you're not supposed to work it. You're supposed to abide in him, and he's supposed to abide in you. That's not working it. We've got to abide in Jesus. He's got to abide in us. He says, he says here, he said, listen, he says, you will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands instead of the thorn bush, and the cypress will come up, and instead of the briar and myrtle will come up. It will make a name for Yahweh as an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. You can't destroy a holy, perfect God that's all-powerful and everywhere. Impossible. And he's your God. He's your loving God. He's not your smackdown God. He's your loving God. He loves you with everything that he is, and he's demonstrated that to all of us. Amen? 
So, number one, we're, we're not aware sometimes we get up of the battles that we face because we're not ready for We're not ready for them. Number two, we go into the battle not prepared for the battles. Therefore, listen, we are so easily defeated because we must have the whole armor of God on our lives. Ephesians 6. Jason, who became a believer, demonstrated hospitality to Paul and Silas, welcoming them in his home. And he's persecuted. He's dragged from his home. And listen, and part of the scripture talks about the fact that Claudius, uh, Claudius was the Roman emperor at the time. And, and, and listen, and he cast out all the Jews from Italy, from Rome. He cast them all away because there was such ruckus and things going on between the Jews and the Christians and things were happening. Turmoil was happening and he chased them away. And we'll see that in the next chapter in 18. And listen, and he, and he goes on. And so he, he, he uh, Claudius, prohibited Jews from gathering or assembling in Rome. And then in A.D. 49, he expelled them altogether as the spread of Christianity through Europe created problems. Created problems in Europe. It does. Christianity is going to create problems. It creates it right here in our own country, and we see it every day on the news. My prayer is we get back to the source of our strength, and it's through the Word of God. Our whole country needs to get on our face before God and cry out to him and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, deliver us. Jesus, show us the way. Show us how to live. We've got to live intentional lives. We have to be intentional, not passive. We sit here passively, sitting there passively and say, well, I'm done. I did everything I could do for all these years. Now I'm done. I'm going to sit back and just relax. No, 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 no. To your last breath. Make Jesus famous in and through your life. There's always something that any one of us and all of us can do together. We can help each other out. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. We're here to do that. Look at verse 10. As soon as it was night, listen, the brothers sent Paul and Silas off to Berea, right? So he left this angry mob, these angry people, right? And so now God, the Holy Spirit, and this is the common denominator. They're being led by the Spirit of God. God's protecting them, God's leading them, God's sharing through them, God's doing all these things with them. So they leave Thessalonica, and now they head down to Berea, right? They go, so as soon as the night, they went to Berea. On arrival, look what he did. What does he do? The format's there. It's like we have a format here on Sunday morning. We do what we do, right? We make much of Jesus, and this is what he's doing. Is he goes into the synagogue of the Jews. He says the people were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica since they welcomed the message with eagerness and examined the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And consequently, many of them believed, it says, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. So here we see once again that format. He's in the synagogue. He's proclaiming the gospel. We see unlike in Thessalonica where they were angry and with Paul that the Bereans were welcoming to Paul and Silas and their teaching. We'll look more at the value of the Bereans' attitude toward the message of the gospel here later. But let's read on. Look at verse 13. It says, But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that God's message had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, listen, they came there too. It wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. They followed him, agitating, disturbing the crowds. Then the brothers immediately <laughs> sent Paul away to go to the sea. But Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as what? Athens. And after receiving instructions from Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. So here are the angry Jewish Thessalonians chasing Paul and Silas down, down the road. We must always remember the devil is always, always, always invoking his fluence in our lives to thwart our effectiveness, to defeat us, the people carrying the message of the gospel. And we let him sometimes when we need to submit to God and resist him. You can't resist the devil on your own. You've got to submit to God's authority. Only the power of God can help you in resisting the evil one. We saw last, as an example, last week with the fortune teller. Remember her, the fortune teller, right? How the enemy tries to interrupt the message, even if the message is correct. Even if her message was correct, her, her message wasn't in error. It's what she was doing that was in error. And it got on Paul's nerves. And he said, enough is enough. You're hindering the ministry rather than helping the ministry. And, and, of course, they paid the price. They cast out, but they delivered that poor woman from a demon. 
And so I praise the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for that. We must be on guard and our spiritual antennas must be up and in tune to the Spirit of the Lord. Paul escapes to Athens leaving this angry mob. Look at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, it says his spirit was troubled within him. Why? Because when he saw that the city was full of idols, people that didn't know who God was, they didn't know who Yahweh was, they didn't know who Jesus was, they didn't know anything about that. And so here they are. So he reasoned in the synagogue. He went to the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshiped God. And then he went into the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Then also some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers argued with him. Some said, what is this pseudo-intellectual trying to say? Now just listen. Athens is the land of Plato and Socrates. Listen, Aristotle, the, the, the Olympic Games, the Greek gods, mythology, all of that. That's what they're into. Paul reasoned with the Jews of Athens. The Old Testament prophecies again, his normal pattern in sharing the gospel. That's what he did. And there are two types of people, the Epicureans and the Stoics, when he was out in the community, different from the synagogue. He's out in the marketplace. He's out there in a place called Mars Hill. He's out there talking with these Greeks who had never heard the Word of God. The Epicureans were the type of people, and this is the kind of people they were, that if it feels good, do it. That's the kind of people they were. And I just want to keep it simple for us. If it feels good, do it. Do it. Eat it, drink it, be merry, then we die. That's the Epicureans. That's just, what, that's just where they were. The other group of people were the Stoics. These guys were like the hippie movement of our time. I want you to think about that. The hippie movement of our time. Listen, listen, they were intellectual earth lovers, tree huggers. That's just they're into pantheism. That's what they were into. The Stoics were like that. So those are two kind of people that were there. Listen, these were self-absorbed, prideful people, but curious about Paul's message. It was totally new. They had never heard it. Listen, others replied, listen, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Look at verse 19. Then they took him, brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you're speaking of. For what you say sounds strange to us. And we want to know what these ideas mean. It says, now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. They loved hearing something new they'd never heard before. It's kind of like having itching ears, right? In the Scripture, 2 Timothy 4, 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure, listen, or tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to miss. This is exactly who they were. That's who these people were. The Areopagus, listen, was on Mars Hill. It's the northwest corner up there on the Acropolis. I know this place very well. I stood on Mars Hill. I got the, had the privilege. Before I was saved, I stood on Mars Hill. I had no clue what it was. Now I look back, I'm going, man, I was such a fool. Hit my head, you know? I stood on Mars, you know how I knew it? Because there was a big sign that says, Apostle Paul preached here. You know, St. Paul, Apostle Paul preached here, Mars Hill. There I was. But here's the thing. Get this. Get this, what Paul was experiencing. The Acropolis is like on the top of a mountain. It's like a big no hill. It's kind of pointed. And what's on top is the Parthenon. And then up on Parthenon, all around it, are all these idols and deities. Athena's throne was right there on the front of it where the steps kind of go up to it. And Mars Hill was right below where Athena's throne. You could see it. I could stand there and see Athena's throne. It was right there. Paul could see that too. And Paul stood there. And what was cool about this place is I remember this distinctly. I think God showed it to me even though I didn't know who God was at that time. But when we sit there and talk, I can hear people talking from a long ways off. Because there were these rounded rocks that are all over the place. And down below was like an amphitheater down there. And when you talk, your sound, your voice did carry. And it was an amazing thing. So it was a perfect place for Paul to get up there and share the gospel. It was perfect with all these councils and philosophers and all these people. And there he was, heartbroken, looking and so, let's go on further. He says, he says, they loved hearing something new. 
And verse 22 says, then Paul stood, listen, in the middle of the Areopagus, and he said, and this is what he said, he said, men of Athens, men of Athens. He wants to emphasize here that these were Greeks. Think about this. These were Greeks. They were, these were people that never heard the Scriptures. There was, these were people that never heard the Jewish Scriptures, never heard it. And so here Paul was, well-versed well in the Old Testament, and so he begins sharing with them the story. And you're going to see in here that he doesn't even share Scripture with them because what's the point? It's like you ever go to a football game, you see somebody hold up a sign that says, John 3, 16. For us Christians, it's obvious what that is, right? But how about the ones that aren't Christians that have never even read the Bible? What's the point? All you do is make people mad because you're blocking their view. Right? So what's the point? They don't know the word. Same thing here. Same situation here. He's up there, and he's got to share with them the best way that God leads him to share with them what he has to say. I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. That's how he starts off. Church, what is religion? What is religion? I know we've talked about this. It's man's feeble attempt to what? To get to God. It's man's feeble attempt. Why? Because we can't ever get to God on our own, ever. So what separates our religions from Christianity? It's the fact that God himself sent his only begotten son to earth. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. There's a song in there somewhere, right? He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He did that just for us. He came from heaven. He didn't have to come from here, but he did. He came from heaven because he loves us. The fact that God himself sent his only begotten son to earth to seek and to save each and every one of us. Always remember that we must never forget that God sent his son to us. We can't get to him any other way. That's why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to get to God. You've got to go through the son who he sent to us to rescue us, to draw us to himself, that we might become sons of God through salvation man that's a glorious message it's a wonderful message i want to encourage you in that this morning jesus did it all this is a stark difference between us and every world religion listen we did nothing god did everything he went out of his way for us to get in the way with him that's what he did it's so simple a little three-year-old can understand it on purpose jesus made it that way Look at verse 23. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed what? <clears throat> to an unknown God. To an unknown Agnostos Theos is what was written on that. Agnosticism, this is where it comes from. Literally, what was inscribed on the object of worship. There is a God, but we can't know who he is. They were ignorant. Or he is unknowable. They believe there may be a God, but can't know him. Listen, if God sends his son to earth, don't you think that God wanted us to know him? That's why he sent him, that we would know him, that we would know him better than a God that's just sitting up there floating in space somewhere. Because listen, what did Jesus do? He came down. I'm sorry, Danny. I'm, I mean, Cameron. He's trying to follow me on that camera. But hey, listen. Jesus came to earth to show us the way. He came down here, listen, so listen, the disciples, they touched him, they beheld him, they loved him up close, they saw him laugh, they saw him cry, they saw him hurt, they saw him burden, they saw him heal, they saw him forgive, they saw him do all these things, they experienced Jesus firsthand, and listen, the whole New Testament is written practically by first-hand eyewitness account of who Jesus is, that these people ate with him, walked with him, talked with him. Jesus is the real deal. There's no, listen, he is, he is the Messiah. And they continue to try to teach this. Paul, that's why he opens the Jews, try to open their minds up. They're looking for a reigning king. They didn't look for a suffering servant. And Paul's trying to humbly express to them, listen, these prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. But they would not listen. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, he said, this I proclaim to you, Paul says. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by human hands. Listen, the Hills Campus is about one true God. That's what we're about, one true God. 
in three separate persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's here now. He's here. He's in us. He resides in us. He's in this room right this very moment to speak to your heart, speak to my heart, to help me to preach. God is here, and we need to lavish our love on him as best we can. Verse 25, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. He, he's given us, listen, I remember Brother Mike Williams stood up here, he said, man, we live in the supernatural. Do we not? We look around, everything is supernatural. Just the very fact I can see your face, that's supernatural, and you can see me, that's supernatural. We live. We think we're sitting still, but we're flying through space. Thousands of miles an hour, amazing. God is. He reveals himself to each and every one of us. But he's not served by human hands. He don't need anything. God has no needs. He makes everything out of an act of love for you and for me. God always was and has never been alone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. John said God is what? Love. It is to be reciprocated to, reciprocated to him. He loves us. We love him back. That's the way it works. God loves us every single day. Every breath is an act of love. Every breath you have is an act of love on God's part. Every, every molecule in your life stream of your blood that flows through your veins is an act of God's love for you. Everything. Life is where? It's in the blood. The blood, Jesus, God, is the essence of life in you and in me. Every day, let me remind you about that. God has always been. Verse 26, from one man he made everything nationally to live over, to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. Verse 27, he did this so that they might see God. And perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He is not. God wants us. Listen, he wants that we should seek him. God is closer than you and I think. In fact, just mention of his name. That's how close Jesus is. Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. Verse 28, for in him we live. Listen, and we move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, he says, for we are also his offspring. Being God's offspring, then we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination, the idols that they made. That's what he's talking about here. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to do what? To repent. Turn from the idols. Turn from your wicked ways. And you say, well, brother, well, you don't have idols today. Yes, you do. Your work can be your idol. Your sport can be your idol. Your greenbacks can be your idol. <laughs> your money, anything can be an idol. Sometimes even churchiosity can be an idol when it's not focused on Jesus. The things that you do can be an idol. Hmm. We must repent. Verse 31, because he has set a day. And this is why we repent. He has set a day when he's going to do what? Judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed, Jesus. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Amazing. God has set a day apart to judge the world in righteousness. We judge ourselves based on what, folks, most of the time? Based on others, right? Look at him. Look at him. I'm not so bad. Oh, that guy right there, he's going to hell right there. He's going to hell. I can feel the flames over here. <laughs> we, don't we do that? Don't, do we not do that? We do that. I'm not so bad. Wrong. Verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him. But others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. And the Bible says the foolishness of the cross, is, uh, the cross is foolishness to those who are what? Perishing. The cross is not a foolish thing at all. 
our dear Savior laid, voluntarily laid his life down on that cross for each and every one of us. It says, but Paul said, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again, Paul, about this. Verse 33, then Paul left their presence. However, some men joined him and believed, including Dionysus, Aeropagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with him. So, man, Paul is making disciples everywhere he goes. He has a zeal. He has a love for Jesus that exceeds even, even if he gets hurt. He goes and he marches forward. Listen, some decisions you can never recover from. But listen, but from rejecting Christ, listen, there is no recovering ever from rejecting Jesus. Judgment Day will be a sad day for those who reject Christ. It's going to be a very sad day. So listen, we all need to make a decision. You're one of these three groups here that I'm talking about. Listen, let's talk about making a decision. Listen, some of us, all of us are smart, but we make crazy decisions, right? We do things we don't need to be doing. We repeat things over and over and over and over again. It's like people get married over and over and over again. It's because we don't listen to Jesus. We don't think. The Athenians, listen, they were smart people, but they made stupid decisions. Unknown God, they were arrogant. They didn't like the message of the cross, the gospel. They, they poked fun at it. The Thessalonians consumed with jealousy, consumed with anger and jealousy. They drove Paul and Silas out of their city. The Bereans, though, only listened to Paul and forever changed, it changed their lives. Listen, there's three people groups here. One of them is the ones that we want to follow, right? So we can learn from what the Bereans did, right? So what did they do? Number one, write this in your fill-in-the-blank. They kept an open mind. They kept an open mind. God desires you to use your mind to think, to wrestle with God. Do you remember Jacob? What did Jacob do? He wrestled with God. He was using his mind. <laughs> he was using his physique, too, trying to wrestle with God. How foolish, right? They think, well, he wasn't using his mind too good, but he was using his mind. He was wrestling with the Lord. He wrestled with God all night long, and God rewarded him and changed his name to Israel. God wants us to think and keep an open mind. We've got to think. God gives us a brain for one reason, to think. And right now we've got people in universities and schools and places that are teaching us not to think, teaching our young people not to think for themselves. And we've got to think for ourselves. We've got to think God gave us a brain to think about things. I will prove it to you. You see, verse 10, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas off to Berea. On arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. The Bereans were open-minded. Listen to what Proverbs 12, 5 says. It says, the thoughts of the righteous are just, but guidance from the wicked leads to deceit. You can't be stiff-necked and stubborn. You must have an open mind. Deuteronomy 10, 16 says it. Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. Quit doing things wrong over and over and over again. You get the same results and sometimes the worst results. That's the definition of crazy. So we need to think about that. <laughs> I've counseled sometimes some ladies have been married five or six times. And sometimes there's some people that just don't need to be married. <laughs> God designed them not to be married. We need to think about some of this stuff. Men, too. Same thing. We need to think about all that. Often people who think they have the most open minds are, in fact, the most closed. Is that right? Isn't that true? Sometimes you do. They talk up a good game. I'll give an example. If we go to any of our universities in our country today, think about our universities. You go there and try to talk about Jesus. Christians are the very ones. Listen, I want to tell you something about this. Thinking is squashed in our universities today. We're not allowed to think. It's like I said, Professor Wine and Cheese teaches you what you need to say and think and believe. And he don't allow them to think for themselves. 
Christians are the very ones that invented colleges. Did you know that? It was because of Christians that colleges even exist. But we needed to think more deeply about who God is. That's why colleges were created. Listen, you look at Harvard. Look at Yale. You know these big universities. Brown University, Columbia, Dartmouth, Princeton, University of Pennsylvania. The most prestigious schools in America formed in the early 1700s and some even earlier than that. Every school began with Christian roots, seminaries, teaching the Word of God, teaching God, teaching people how to think. But then in the 1800s, the introduction of naturalistic views of old earth and evolution creeped in, came into existence. Now you go into school today, they teach evolution as a fact, when it's the biggest fiction there ever was. And I'm going to tell you, next month we got a gentleman that's coming here, and he's going to teach you and talk to you about scripturally about new earth rather than old earth. He's going to show you, point blank. So be ready for that. And I'll give the dates that here later on. But he's coming at the end of March. And that's going to be a great time. Brian Newsom. It's going to be a great Sunday morning. And, it's going to be, and we're going to have a little dinner on the grounds afterwards because he wants to do a little Q&A afterwards over dinner. And it'll be a great day for us. So we can, listen, we need to understand these things. Amen, church? We need to understand the Word of God. At least these guys will help us, though. God wants us to think. He wants us to use our brains and think. What is it they say we only use in a lifetime 20% of our 100% brain? We need to use our brains. Number one, they kept an open mind. Number two, the Bereans listened. Listen to this. Listen to godly counsel. Listen to godly counsel. Some of you don't listen to nobody. Some of you don't want to listen to anybody. You're your own person. I'm my own woman. I'm my own man. I listen to me, myself, and I. And you forever stay stuck in me, myself, and I. It's true, as we just do. Some of the worst decisions I ever made <laughs> was on my own. I'm true. The best decision I ever made was Jesus and my wife. Those are the best two decisions I ever made right there. We are dangerous when we think on our own. This is why I have seven men I meet with on Thursdays here. Because I would be stupid without them. I need them. And they're all different. They all bring to the table something different. And I love that. Because I can weigh. I can hear things that I wouldn't even think about. Naturally, I wouldn't even think about. But God brings it through these men. All of us need others to speak into our lives. We all need others. God did not design us to be on an island by ourselves. He did not design us to do that. You know what happens when you're on an island by yourself? You go crazy. You will go crazy. God created us for community to be with one another. Most of the time, we don't want others' advice. Why? First reason is we are thick-headed like I talked earlier in Deuteronomy. Remember stiff-necked? Verse 11, listen, the people here were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica since they, listen, welcomed the message with eagerness. They listened with eagerness. Proverbs 20, 18 says, finalize plans with counsel and wage war with sound guidance. Plans succeed from good counsel. We need each other. Psalm 37, 30 says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. Some of us need to let go of some friendships that live foolishly. If you've got foolish friends, sometimes I'll tell you, you need to ditch them. If they're, listen, if they're addicts and they're your friends and you're, you're addicted to stuff, you need to walk away from your friends. You need to walk away from them. You need to get new friends. This is a good place to get friends right here. Amen? This is the best place to get friends. And so I want to encourage you. The Bible says bad company corrupts what? Good character or morals. You must get friends who follow Jesus. Do, our, do your friends follow? Do the majority of your friends follow Jesus? That's my question for you this morning as your pastor. I pray that they are. If they're not, listen, I'm sorry. But you need to think about this. I'm not saying forsake them completely. Because they need to be one to Jesus if they're lost. 
But you need friends. You need to surround yourself with Christian brothers and sisters. Number three, the Bereans searched the Scripture for truth. Some of us here today, we read our Bible. Some of us sit in here, some of us men folks sit in here and don't even open a Bible, whether it's on your device or on, on the book itself. You depend on my slides to do it for you. We need to open the Word of God. You need to check me. Verse 11 says that people here were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica since they welcomed the message with eagerness. And listen, this is what he said. And they examined the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. See the difference, the stark difference between Thessalonica and Ath- Listen, Paul reasoned with those people. The Bereans, he was reasoning with them too, but you know what they did? They said, let's check it out. Let's open up the Old Testament scrolls. Let's check it out. Let's see if this is really true, Paul. We want to see if you're telling us the truth, Paul. And they opened up the Scriptures, and they had all eyes on the Scriptures, and they were checking it out to see, to verify Paul and Silas' message. How awesome is that? That is so awesome. That's the difference. We've got to check it out all the time. They searched the Scripture daily to see if Paul and told the truth. Listen, you can see the movie without living it out. When you read the Scriptures, look at David. Look at how he fell. Why do you need to live that out in your life? David depended on fleshly, lustly desires. That example is in the Word of God to keep us from having those desires, to keep us in check, to keep us with our eyes focused on Jesus who can deliver us from those desires. Or whatever it is, whether it's women, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, listen, you've got to quit looking at that mess. That's creation anyway. You've got to look at the Creator. Focus on Him. Listen, you can see the movie without living it out. You can listen and learn. Or, I used to tell my students this all the time, or you can live and learn. It's your choice. But you've got to use your brain. You either listen and learn, or you'll live it and learn every time. And that's a fact. In fact, Job 15.8 says, Do you listen in on the counsel of God or have a monopoly on wisdom? Hmm. Have you listened to the counsel of God? You must have God in your life. If any has thought Jesus and the resurrection was a joke. So my question for you today is, listen, do you really have an open mind this morning? Do you make a point to listen to godly counsel this morning? Do you search the scriptures for the truth? I encourage you. I just entreat you. Listen, follow the brain's example. Starting today, every day, every day. Listen, the Thessalonians were angry. The Athenians were arrogant. We see all that around us every single day, and some of us have that character, and you need to crucify that character. You need to get under the authority of his character and let his character rule and reign. Let his character become your character. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let his words come from your mouth. Let his words fill up your heart. Let, him, let his words transform your life. Stop doing the stuff you know is wrong. And you don't have the power to overcome it without Jesus. That's why you abide in him and he abides in you. The brains were open-minded. They searched the word, found the truth, and live it out loud in life. So which is it, church? What are we going to do this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Man, if God's speaking to your heart this morning, do something about it. Don't just sit there. If God is speaking to your heart that you know that you need to change, you need a change. And you know you're powerless to change. That's why you need a change agent to come in your life and, and change you from the inside out to redecorate your life from the inside out. And some of you here, you know you need to change. Man, if you want to change, you can change this morning. You can turn your life. You can give your life over to his life and let him change you this morning. Don't walk out these doors without him changing your life. We all make decisions. You're going to make a decision. You may not make a decision, but you made a decision when you walk out here today. Don't walk out here. I beg you, don't walk out here without God changing the direction of your life follow him with all your heart. 
my soul. Give it to him. Don't be embarrassed. Some of you need to change. And listen, change brings conflict. But when you persevere through the conflict, what does it bring? It brings growth. It will grow you. I promise you it will grow you. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus as Savior. It's the first time you've heard the message of the gospel, or maybe you've denied it through your life. You've heard it, but you've never been serious about Jesus. I invite you right now to ask him to come in your heart. He's here. He's here to save you from you and your sinfulness. He already died to do that. Just say, Jesus, I welcome you to my heart. I need you, Jesus. Save me this morning. Come into my life right now. I'm going to pray. A little prayer. I always want you to pray. My prayer can't save you, but I can help you pray and you can receive Christ as your Savior. Just say something like, Lord Jesus, I'm with Phil. I am a sinner. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and my life this morning. Change me. Rescue me, Father, from myself and my addictions and my habits and my garbage into my life, Jesus, this morning. I beg you to come into my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you shed your blood to wash away my sin. And I believe you rose from the dead just for me. Come into my heart and my life this morning. I trust you, Jesus, alone as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, if there's anyone here, every head bowed, every head nobody looking around. You say, you know what, Brother Phil? I pray to receive Christ as my Savior with you right now. If you did that right now, let me see your hands. Anybody in the room, pray to receive Jesus as their Savior this morning. Anybody. Amen. Father, I thank you for my Christian brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord Jesus, that... Lord, that you touch their heart in some form or fashion through this message today. And God, that they would turn over to you to know, God, that they're, they're not sufficient enough to live a life, even the Christian life, apart from you. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that right now they get everything under the blood, they confess it, and they repent of it, and they chase you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And fulfill, God, and find that purpose and that calling that you placed on their life. And if they know it, let them exercise it, Lord. They can exercise it here for sure. And if they don't know it, help them to discover it, Jesus. Because we have a community that surrounds us that are as lost as lost can be. And they're going to die without a Savior if we don't tell them. God, use us for your glory. Help us to step up to place and raise the bar on our life. When you came to earth, you raised the bar for all of us. You fulfilled the law. You raised the bar. You said, if we even think about sin, we've committed it. If we lust after somebody, we've committed it. If we hate our brothers, we've committed murder. Lord, you raised the level, the bar in all of our lives. And Lord, we trust you this morning by the name of Jesus for all that you're doing. Lord, go with us this week. Use us for your glory. Help us to be mindful that you are present with us everywhere we go. And use us to make an impact. Not a difference, but an impact in the life of every person we meet. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said what? Amen. Amen. Love y'all. Be praying for She Loves Out Loud next Saturday. And we're going to need help here, guys, to uh, do security and stuff here, too, to kind of keep these women safe. All right? Amen. Thank y'all. Have a great week. What a day that will be.